Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his enemies who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Jesus Iscariot, son and son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured, a water, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not, not my feet only, but also my, he- my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but he is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash my mother's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Thank you, Anna. Uh, welcome to RUF. My name is Brian Sorgenfrop. I've never met you. Uh, I'm the campus minister here and just really glad you took an hour out of your uh, busy Wednesday to be here. There's a lot of things you can do on a Wednesday night. Um, we are looking every week at the Gospel of John and considering John's claim, who's one of Jesus' best friends, his claim that he chose these specific stories, these true stories, out of everything else that Jesus did, he chose these. So that by you watching Jesus and believing on Jesus, you might have real life. And so we are considering how does Jesus bring real life. And what Anna just read for us is a turning point in the Gospel of John. Because for the next seven chapters, they simply cover 24 hours of Jesus' life. Think about that. Almost half the book slows down and covers this 24-hour period of Jesus' last earthly day. John wants you to watch it. He wants you to feel it. He wants you to see Jesus, what's being said here, love his disciples unto the end. It's intimate. Uh, it's, it's actually incredible. He washes their feet. I don't let anybody touch my feet. They're nasty. And he doesn't. What does that show us? Let me, uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for the Gospel of John. Uh, for, le- for letting us have such a window into the last 24 hours of your earthly life. Um, usually in people's last uh, knowing days, uh, they begin to share what is most important to them. And so I pray that we would see that. Lord, we bring a lot of things into this room. We bring guilt. We bring shame. We bring sorrow. We bring confusion. And would you uh, be the resurrected Jesus that you are, who loves to wash us, uh, who loves to make dirty things clean. Uh, who loves to remind people uh, that this is the very reason that you came. Uh, Would you do that in your son's name, I pray. Amen. All right, this whole passage centers around this theme of washing, so we're going to look at four things together. Excuse me, three episodes. The meaning of washing, the response to the washing, and the continual washing. All right, meaning, response, continual. 
First, what is the actual meaning of the washing? There are actually two layers to this foot washing, okay? And the first layer of, uh, of meaning comes when Jesus takes off his outer garments. He ties this towel around his waist. He pours water out and he kneels and begins washing their feet. The first, mean, the first meaning is... I told you we were almost out of battery. Um, oh, maybe not. The first... There you go. The first... Uh, the first meaning of this act is that it is just a complete act of loving humiliation by Jesus. It's just loving humiliation. It's, it's hard for us to get this because, A, we're not in this culture. And because many of you might actually be familiar with this story, so it doesn't shock you. And you say, yeah, yeah, Jesus washed their feet. But here's what you got to get. In ancient Near Eastern days, right, you would walk barefoot or in sandals down the road... And so, yes, that got dirt and that got mud on your feet. But also, right, days of it's not modern plumbing. What was also in the streets was human and animal excrement. So that is what you would pick up as you just walk to people's house. And when you got to someone's house, the way that you ate was not sitting underneath, sitting, sitting by a table like we do. You would actually lay, lie on your side, recline, which means your feet were in somebody's face. Okay? Nasty, disgusting. And so a custom developed of hospitality where someone would take a towel, wet it, and wash your feet gently, slowly, get all that grime, all the excrement off. But here's the deal. It was, that task was reserved for the lowliest of people. Like there was actually a law in some places that if you were Jewish, another Jew could not wash your feet. The only one who could do it would be a Gentile female slave, which in those days was the lowest category possible. There's one historian actually who, again, that's what's good to have historians. He says there is no text. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Um, There is no text that we have in any historical document that ever shows, Greco-Roman, Jewish, that ever shows a superior Washing an inferior's feet, except for John 13. This is it. This is why Peter is so appalled. This is why, like, he's watching his teacher, who is the Lord of the universe in flesh, take out his outer garments, pour water, stoop down, and slowly begin washing the grime off their feet. Think about, like, if he just spends 30 seconds on each foot, that's like almost a half an hour. Of awkward silence, the Lord of the universe lovingly serving his disciples. And it, it, was, it was offensive to Peter. It was confusing. It was appalling. And frankly, no one got it. It's why Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. It is. I sat there and tried to come up with an illustration of what this would be like in our day. And it's just, it's just impossible. Okay, but here, here's my best shot. It would be like you showing up on an early Saturday morning at a fraternity house that had a huge party the night before. And you show up and you look around and you think, oh gosh, this is disgusting. Right? There's, there's throw up, there's beer cans, there's whatever, fill in the blank. And you're like, wow, this is why we have pledges, right? Um, and, and as you're looking around... You hear someone, um, 
you hear something in, in another room. And so you look over, and there's someone stooped down with a garbage bag in their hand, scraping up vomit from the floor. And as you get closer, you realize that is former President Obama in all his dignity. I'm serious. Bending down and cleaning up vomit. Like, that doesn't even completely demonstrate what's going... Like, if you saw that, you would say, uh, sir, like, uh, someone else should do... Like, you would get down and start scrubbing, right? It's, it's that appalling. But what is Jesus doing? He's showing us the heart of God. This is what God is like. Because this is God. It says that Jesus knew his hour had come. Think about this. And he loved them to the end. His hour is always the, the, the hour of his death. Jesus knows he's going to die in less than 24 hours. And if there was ever a time that you'd probably understand someone saying, you know, I'm just going to take some time to myself. I'm about to die for the sins of the world. It would be now. But Jesus, what does he do? He forgets about himself, concerns himself with his disciples, and loves them to the end by caring about them and washing their feet. And this is the Lord of glory. So Jesus' feet washing, first of all, it is just humiliation and a great act of love. Because he crosses every cultural, uh, every social, every sanitational barrier to care for his disciples. And I guess that's my first question is, like, do you know Jesus? Like, this Jesus, the real Jesus, who is God in flesh. Or do you think there's some things in your life that are just too low for him to go? Too dirty for him to enter into? Too petty for him to think about? Like, do you get this Jesus? Do you trust him? Do you talk to Jesus with the fact, about the fact that it is really hard to be a female on the campus of Ole Miss? The pressures of image. And may you say, ah, it just kind of feels petty. It's not to Jesus. He will bend down and you can talk to him about it. What about the fact that you've been rejected by a few girls in college? And some of it maybe is your own insecurity. Do you think Jesus will meet you in that? Do you think he cares? Yes, he stoops down. Yes, he cares. He knows about your social anxiety. He knows about your learning disability that frustrates you. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But he will stoop down. That's who Jesus is. But the second layer of meaning of this foot washing is seen after Peter reacts in this revolting way saying, Lord, you, know, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will. And then, he, and then he says, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. And what does Jesus say? If you do not let me wash you, you have no share with me. What did Jesus mean? Jesus is saying, yes, I'm really washing your feet, but this is pointing to something else. This is pointing to the purpose and the reason that I came, which is to actually go to a cross and cleanse you of your guilt and your shame inside you. See, Jesus is saying, yes, this foot washing is real and I'm loving you and serving you in every way, but ultimately, my humiliation in washing your feet is just symbolic of something that I'm about to do, 
which is the humiliation of God himself being, being nailed to a cross in front of everyone so that my sin and my shame can be washed. You see, if you're shocked like Peter of Jesus washing your feet, if we're shocked by Jesus making himself low, John is kind of saying, you haven't seen anything yet. Because in less than 24 hours, Jesus won't remove his outer garments. They will be forced off of him. He will, he will be made to parade around naked, to be laughed at and humiliated. Jesus won't just, just kneel down. He will let people pummel him and whip him and spit upon him and force him to the ground in pain. And Jesus won't just pour out water to cleanse feet. His own blood will pour out so as to clean away the dirt and the guilt and the shame of our sin. Why? Because the real dirt, the real grime, the real sin is not out there. It's in here. It's in my own heart. And so Jesus loves his disciples. He loves them to the end by cleansing, by washing his people with the humiliation of himself, his death. And I want you to really get this. That your hope, whether you're a Christian, whether you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember, whether you're trying to figure it out tonight, your hope is the humiliation of God himself. That's our fastball. That's, if you've been coming to RUF, you realize that's kind of all we've got. Is a naked Jewish God-man being humiliated for our sin. The cleansing that is, offered, that is offered to us is not this like thing that drops out of heaven and he like throws you forgiveness. The deep cleansing that is offered to us is a person. And his name is Jesus who came down himself and took upon himself our sin and he gets treated as if he's me as if he's you because that's what my sin deserves it's not pie in the sky fiction it really happened the question is will you let Jesus cleanse you that's the question will you trust Jesus to take your place or will you be like Peter and say no 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 that's too shameful I won't let Jesus touch that. This is what you need to hear. The dirtiness that you feel when you take the walk of shame in the early morning. Look at Jesus. He is saying, let me wash you. I will take it. You have had abortions in college. Jesus says, I will take it and suffer for it. The gnawing guilt of never feeling enough on a campus that just presses that in on you. Are you good enough? Have you done enough? Jesus says, I will take it. I will let it gnaw me to the point of humiliation on a cross. It's, he, he substitutes himself for us. And so whatever it is that's in your mind that's right now, those thoughts, those actions, that those are revealed right now to everybody in this room, we would all just run. Because I don't want anybody to know that about me. You've got to let Jesus cleanse that by taking your place. Yes, our sin is that dirty. But Jesus is that good and that committed and that gracious. 
You see, and what that means is what keeps you from Jesus and me from Jesus. It's not really your sin. It's your pride. That's what keeps... We, we just can't trust the humiliation of Jesus. No way. No way. And this is, this is what you've got to realize. Some of you sound, you sound so pious and you sound so humble, and I get it. And you say, I know Jesus has forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. I can't get over the things that I've done. Well, what about if your real God hasn't forgiven you? Because what if your God is your own opinion of yourself? And that needs to die. Because your opinion doesn't matter compared to the opinion of Jesus. It's that real. It's that good. Let Jesus' opinion rule. And let it wash you. And so first, that's the meaning of the washing. Then secondly, look, how they, look at the response that Jesus assumes when you get this will begin to happen. This is verse 13 through 17. He tells his disciples... You're right to call me teacher and Lord, and now you ought to wash uh, one another's feet. Do just as I've done to you. Because a servant is not greater than his master. Okay, this is a little unnerving if you think about it. Because what Jesus just said is, if I humble myself as God, and I come so low as to wash your feet, and ultimately go and take your sin on a cross, if I love you in this way, then you as my people should begin to love others in the same way. In what way? In humbling, sacrificial, menial ways that maybe people don't even understand. That's what Jesus means. Now look, we beat this drum every week at RUF, okay? What saves you, what cleanses you, what makes you righteous is Jesus' work. His life, His death, not your works for Him. It's Jesus doing for you that saves you, not your doing for him. It's grace from start to finish. Always. And to confuse the order, you will will miss the gospel. So acts of goodness, acts of repentance, acts of sacrificial love do not save you. They do not make God love you. But, but, when you know the grace of Jesus, when you know his full cleansing... By his humiliation, something begins to happen. You become like him, slowly, but you do. And what does it mean you become like Jesus? You love people. You love people. And if you keep reading this chapter at the end, here's what Jesus will say. All people will know you are my disciples, you ready? By the way that you love one another. Think about that. The way people will know that you are my disciples is if you pass a theology test. Nope. Uh, The way people know you are my disciples is by your RUF attendance and by your disciplined quiet time life. Nope. The way you will know you are my disciple is by stepping up in your fraternity and really being unashamed and announcing you're a Christian. Nope. It's your love for one another. That's what Jesus says. And what does that look like? Feet washing. Attitudes, emotions, and acts that put someone else before yourself. It's probably ordinary. It's probably menial. And nobody might notice. And the person might not even understand what you're doing. That's feet washing. 
There's a guy named Tim Sanders. He wrote a book called Love is the, uh, is the Killer App. And there's this story in this book uh, a friend of mine uh, I heard talk about, about Steve. I'm going to read it to you. It's very quick. It's about Steve and when he received an Xbox 360, always a sign of love, uh, from, his, from uh, his, empl- uh, his, his employee, Lenny. Here's the story. Steve resolved to visit each one of his six employees who, hadn't, who he hadn't seen in six months and share with them specifically what they did excellently. After one of his visits, Lenny, a software engineer, gave him an Xbox 360. Steve was taken aback because he knew Lenny had taken a pay cut last year, but he was even more surprised that the money came from the sale of a 9 millimeter pistol, the pistol that Lenny had bought, bought months earlier in the intention of killing himself. Lenny told him of his mother's death the previous year and the loneliness and the depression that sunk in, and Lenny said, I started a routine every night after work. I'd eat a bowl of ramen, I'd listen to Nirvana, I'd get the gun out. It took almost a month to get the courage to put bullets in the gun. It took another couple of months to get used to the barrel on top of my teeth. The last few weeks, I was putting ever so slight pressure on the trigger, and I was getting so close. But last week, Steve, you freaked me out. You came into my cubicle, you put your arm around me, and you told me you appreciated me because I turned in all my projects early, and that helps me sleep at night, and that you appreciated my sense of humor over email. That night, I went home. After ramen, I listened to Nirvana. I got the gun out, and it scared me silly for the first time. And all I could think about is what you said, that you were glad I came into your life. So the next day I went back to the pawn shop, sold my gun, and I remember you said you wanted an Xbox more than anything, but with a new baby you couldn't afford it. So for my life, you get this game. Thanks, boss. Like, this is how Jesus changes the world. Doesn't that seem crazy? By acts of manual seeming, unnoticed, sacrificial, ordinary love. When's the last time you like told someone that you were glad they were in your life? And here's why. When's the last time you showed hospitality and extended mercy to someone who actually needed it? Jesus says the most effective way to be a disciple, the most effective way to change the world, is to love your neighbor. And guess what? Before Jesus saved the world, he loved his disciples. It actually starts here before you like go out there. And so look, I actually, I actually thought about whether I was going to say this or not because I don't want to give the wrong impression. I'm going to say it. Like, great night of worship on uh, Sunday was awesome. Everything about it great. Music was incredible. Teaching was mediocre. Um, and, and it was great and God used that. Okay, and and you know what else? And maybe even more so, the way God works is by things that don't get noticed. It's by making ourselves low, by being faithful in the menial and the ordinary. It's like when you hold her hair because she's puking after another night of drinking too much, and you get her in bed, and she might not appreciate it. And she might even understand what you did. But Jesus loves it. Because it looks like him. It's going to be like, I don't know, maybe you do show up on a Saturday morning as a junior and clean the house with pledges. That's crazy. <laughs> um, not to make a point, but because it will help them. And you can get to know them. 
it's going to look like you listening to your roommate at 1.30 in the morning about his depression. And you don't know what to say. But you hug him and you say, I'm here. It's going to look like you just calling your mom and asking her how she's doing. And her being shocked that you actually asked about her. You know? It's going to look like cleaning up after your messy roommate without trying to make a point. But simply because Jesus loves you. And he loves that. You could go on and on. It's going to look like asking forgiveness from a person. And that person actually thinking that asking forgiveness confirms the fact of what he always thought, that it was all your fault. And it wasn't. And he walks away thinking that. And you're just okay with it. It's going to look like praying for people that may never know that you do. Because that's who Jesus is. And that's what it looks like. And here's the deal. We all imagine people... When I imagine myself somehow sacrificially loving someone, it's always people that I click with, right? But do you know who else Jesus washed the feet of? Judas Iscariot. He washes the feet of the guy, the feet that are about to run out of hatred for Jesus and betray him for 30 pieces of silver that will send him to the cross. So yeah, it's actually going to look like you loving and serving the guy in your fraternity that you can't stand. He might not even know what you're doing. It's going to look like RUF actually becoming a place where there are seniors who are ashamed of their life. And they just feel like everything in them, if they show up here, everybody's going to look at them and be like, why are you here? And they actually realize, hey, people want me here. And people like me. That's what it looks like. We drop our pride to receive Jesus. And we drop our pride to love other people. Because we know who Jesus is. And that brings me finally to the continual washing of verse 10. Look, I, I know this is heavy, okay? I know as you walk through the meaning of the washing and Jesus' call to live out the love that we've received by God by loving others. If you're like me, you have to be realizing... Yeah, I don't really love people. All I mainly care about if people like me or if people think I'm nice. That's pretty much the extent of my loving. There's my personal confession to you. And I'm a minister. But it just reveals that I just lack real love for people. But look, this is the key. This is really good news. The power to love like Jesus, are you ready? Is always connected to our continual need of Jesus. Look at verse 10. He makes this kind of weird statement, right? The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. So Jesus gives you this image of this person who's taken a bath, but then walks to a house. So he's clean, but his feet are a little bit dirty. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you trust Christ, if you trust Jesus' humiliation in your place, you are once and forever clean, period. You're clean no matter how you feel. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you do two weeks from now. You're clean. Your sin, your past, present, and future sins will never be counted against you, ever. They are counted against Jesus. And Jesus knows this. The rest of our lives as we walk in this broken world 
our feet still tread in all kinds of dirt and filth. They just do. And in a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that, well, you know, that one time back in my life, Jesus forgave me. Sweet, thanks. I'm good now. Instead, here's what Jesus knows a relationship with him is like. Man, today's another day. I felt my dirtiness. I did it again. And I come back to Jesus saying, you're the only one that can make it clean. You can do it. And Jesus is saying, yes, come to me every day. Come to me every hour and confess your sin and re-experience. You're already clean, okay? But re-experience what is actually true. The thrill of washing. The three... The thrill that you are righteous in his sight. And you just enter into the joy of repentance again and again and again. I, the only analogy I can come up with is being a parent. Okay, this is one of the greatest joys. Uh, there's a lot of frustrations, but one of the greatest joys of being a parent. All of our kids have gone through this at some extent, but uh, right now I feel like it's, most, it's been most particular in Annie. Okay, Annie, my middle child, she, she is, she's so hard on herself. It's so hard to watch. So she will, I don't know, she'll lash out, she'll lash out, she'll hit Clark in just anger. And she knows she shouldn't do it. And she, you know, whatever, discipline gets enacted, she ends up in her room. I mean, I just, I'll go sit on her bed and I'll look at her. And, you know, she's been crying and she's mad. She, she's probably mad at me, but she's, she's mad at herself. And, and it's just so hard for her to look. And to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's so hard. Because, and I'm just sitting there. I'm just reminding her that I love her. I'm reminding her that she's awesome. And you can just see it though. She just doesn't like herself. She's mad at herself. And she doesn't want anybody else to love her either. And then finally, at some point it'll happen. She will just kind of crawl in my lap. And she'll say, Daddy, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And man, like... She will, she will let me hug her, and she doesn't know I see it. This small smile creeps over her face because she realizes my daddy loves me. And here's the deal. I never quit loving her, right? My love for her was, was, was just as much there before she hit uh, Clark as after she hit Clark. There's nothing Annie can do that will ever make me quit loving her, ever. But she forgot it, and she got to experience it again. And I hope Annie always knows, always knows, she can come to me with anything and she'll experience forgiveness. She'll experience how much I love her. This is what Jesus is saying. If you're realizing tonight for the first time or for the thousandth time that you feel guilty and dirty because you're selfish, okay. I don't care if it's the first time or a thousandth time. Jesus says, come. Experience the washing. It'll actually begin to humble you again. Because remember, your power to love is always connected to your continual need of Jesus. Jesus, this is not my words, this is Jesus' words. Jesus says you love little because you've been forgiven little. That's what Jesus says. If little love is coming out of you, it means it's been a long time since you've experienced the love of Jesus and his forgiveness. It means you think you're a good person and have received little forgiveness. The most unkind tightest, religious, and unsympathetic people, I'm telling you, are people that are so grateful that Jesus washed them of their sin back then 
But now I just obey Jesus and it's all good. Those people are hard to be around. But man, when you're around people who continually experience the washing of Jesus, there's humility, there's love, there's forgiveness. A lot of love comes out. And see, if this room really was filled, I think it is. Y'all are awesome. But with people that are constantly aware we are in need of washing, and there'd be a lot of patience, a lot of gentleness, a lot of forgiving. And people who feel like they need washing would come in this place and feel like they're not alone. Jesus came to bring life. And his life comes from his humiliation of love. So here's my invitation. Have you been washed by Jesus? He's that good. He loves to wash. He'll do it for the first time or the thousandth time. And that begins to give you the power to go and to love people like Jesus does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for John 13. Thank you for yet again showing us that your love um, it, is, it is better than we think. You not only wash people's feet, you are humiliated on a cross in our place. Man. Just help us to receive that tonight. In your son's name I pray. Amen.